You're listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello, fellow fantasy football fanatics. It is week 15. There are probably not too many teams left in your league. The final four in most leagues, including all Apex leagues. Um, Hopefully you're still alive. And if not, we have playoff leagues for you. We'll talk a little bit more of that at the end of the episode. Um, But we're going to go through waivers today for week 15 for those teams who are still fighting for the championship. A couple uh, real quality over quantity week this week. Then we're going to discuss once again uh, uh, how rookie running backs have made a big difference in fantasy. And it really showed in this past week in week 14. We've been telling you to hold on to him, but um, talk more about that in a bit. And we will discuss in 2021 what running backs are going to be in the top five. You know, obviously the top five running backs pretty much all going to go in the first round. But what order should that be? Because, you know, this year it was a real, a real guessing game. Why don't we start with waivers and a guy who we liked on draft day went to the Raiders, you know, was left off the game day roster a lot, then got traded the Dolphins, Lyndon Bout, and all of a sudden he finds himself in the spotlight after a really productive week 14 with two at the helm. Um, why do you like Lynn Bowden this week, Mike? I think that when it comes to evaluating NFL prospects, the most important thing that we can see is college production. And whether it was playing quarterback or playing wide receiver or playing running back, whatever, Bowden produced uh, time and time again. And it's clear that NFL evaluators uh, prioritized that and made Bowden a pick. And now he's kind of coming through with the Dolphins, catching some passes, and he's becoming relevant in a week where Devontae Parker may be missing, Gesicki may be missing, and Jakeem Grant may be missing. So there will be opportunity on a team that needs pass catchers, and Bowden is capable. And, uh, you know, last week he caught seven to nine targets for 82 yards. And he uh, he's going to be facing the Patriots, a much tougher secondary. But if they have no one else to throw to, he'll be getting a lot of underneath targets. He might line up in the backfield. Um, definitely an option for those teams who may have been counting on Henry Ruggs, who was placed on the COVID list. Maybe they had Debo Samuel. Um, so definitely a guy who you might want to look at in your flex spot or if you need a guy in your PPR league who uh, who might, you know, you need six catches for 70 yards and you need 13 points, that might be a guy you're looking at. Um, Dalton, what do you, what did you see in, in, in Lynn? I think it's Budin actually. Uh, he made a, you made a thing about that a couple weeks ago. Um, what do you see in him? You see like a Randall Cobb type prospect for, for Dynasty? Yeah, I think I think he's a really good versatile playmaker there, and um, he can do a lot of things, which obviously um, will allow him to get on the field. And he really has that playmaking ability where he can make something out of nothing. And they tried utilizing him in a role as a as a quarterback for a play last week. Obviously, didn't pan out, but um, there's a lot of things that he can do. And um, I'm really interested to see how they utilize him there. He saw 71 percent of the snaps this week, nine targets, and it looks like Tua is really. Um, spreading the ball around in this offense and he's trusting his his guys to get the job done and it was very promising that over the past couple of weeks he's been efficient with his targets as well and he's really starting to get that role in there so um even if Devonta Parker doesn't miss it I mean it looks like Gasecki and Jakey Grant may miss 
So um, he's definitely someone that you can plug and play and hope, hope for um, a solid day receiving, gets in the end zone. You could be looking at potentially, you know, upwards of high teens, maybe low 20s if he does get in the end zone. Man, if he eclipses like 25 PPR points, I'd love to see where he ends up in your infamous weekly rookie dynasty wide receiver ranking. So uh, hopefully that pans out against the Patriots this week. And another guy who could end up being a league winner, you know, very few teams have been as injury riddled as the 49ers, you know, Kittle, now Debo Samuel, uh, Raheem Mostert hasn't seemed to play consecutive games this year, really. He is now getting an MRI on his ankle. He is questionable at best for Sunday. Um, looks like uh, our old favorite, Jarek McKinnon, played zero offensive snaps, only playing special teams now. Of course, Tevin Coleman is no longer seemingly in existence. I believe he's injured. And now we have Jeff Wilson facing the Cowboys. Mike, are you excited to pick him up and start him? Yeah, I mean, we don't fully know what's going on with Monster, but I think it will be a very interesting opportunity for Wilson. It seems that the 49ers are very good at generating fantasy points for running backs. So whoever's in, they get to the goal line, they get a lot of short touchdowns, they're willing to throw to their running backs, and Wilson's proven capable every opportunity. So I think that if Mostert is out, we can be confident that he's ahead of McKinnon right now, although McKinnon would obviously slide in for some work. And he'll really be the guy who can slide in as kind of a low-end running back too for your fantasy team. I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. I mean, even if Mostert is active, Jeff Wilson's clearly the goal line back. Whenever they're inside the five, he takes over and they hand in the ball once or usually twice or three times. And uh, we saw even a few years ago, remember, he was a thing in the fantasy playoffs two years ago, he caught nine balls. Um, So he can kind of get it done in all phases of the game. And I can't imagine this game getting so out of hand that Jeff Wilson isn't, you know, the over under might even be, you know, uh, 0.8 touchdowns. You know, I think he's that likely to score. And if you, like many teams, are still scrounging for running back, if you hadn't stashed a Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins, he could be a guy that you really are actually excited to play. Um, maybe I'm a little too rosy on him, but we know no matter what, the Dallas defense can't stop the run. Been a little better against the pass recently. The Niners want to run, especially without Debo Samuel or George Kittle. And we know that Jeff Wilson's effective around the goal line. He's going to get most of the touches. Um, I also think it's fair to say we undersold Jalen Hurts. Um, were you as impressed as I am? Uh, from what he did against the Saints? Yeah, I mean, it hurts really when it comes down to running back quarterbacks who are able to run the ball. When you're able to rush for 100 yards, very few guys, very few quarterbacks in the NFL are able to do that, and it generates a ton of fantasy value. Um, When you're able to basically combine the workload of a running back and combine that with passing ability we have a lot of fantasy points that can be scored so he wasn't that impressive as a passer but they moved the ball he rushed well and I believe he finishes the quarterback eight for this week so there's really a lot to be excited about and I don't see any reason that he shouldn't get better in these coming weeks with much more favorable matchups you know 100 uh, uh 100 rushing yards like he had that's equivalent to 250 passing yards or, you know, 150 passing yards and a touchdown, it makes up for a lot. And so we we made a list last week of the guys who we would start over him. I think you might have to shrink that list a little bit. Uh, You know, we obviously are starting Mahomes, probably Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. 
probably Aaron Rodgers. But other than that, are you starting over guys like Tannehill and Big Ben, Mike? Yeah, I think the concern was, is he going to be able to get out there and move the ball? Or are we going to see him really limited as a passer and really only be able to rush the ball? And he has an NFL arm and he looks better leading this offense than Carson Wentz does. So I see very low risk with playing him. Obviously, he could have a really bad passing game and could struggle, uh, but he comes with more upside than maybe a Big Ben does who needs to throw for four or five touchdowns while... Uh, he can do a lot more. Hertz can do a lot more with his legs and generate fantasy points that way. So I think he kind of slides in as maybe a top 10 option at quarterback this week. I don't think that he's moving into really the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson range. But if you don't have that every week quarterback one, he's a high-end streamer. Is he over a guy like Josh Allen for you? No. Josh no? Allen okay. also combines that rushing ability. Dalton, so, where does he slide in for you? Uh, he's right around the back end of QB one. Like I think, like putting him next, to, like a Taysom Hill, and how we've viewed Taysom Hill is kind of how I'm viewing a Jalen Hurts. Okay, that's um, that's a good comparison. And I think like the thing that surprised me the most was the 18 rush attempts. Like we knew that he was a rushing quarterback and he was going to get looks in the rushing game for, but for him to rush that much, like it seems like it's almost like a priority on his part to utilize his legs and that's going to give such a safe floor to where like hey if he gets two passing touchdowns what if he runs one in like like it's not out of the question that he's throwing up a 30 point game like he quietly had you know a 20 point game against one of the best defenses now he's going against Arizona this week and then Dallas next week like I don't see why Jalen Hurts can't be in the conversation for like are we surprised if from weeks 14 to week 16 he's a top five quarterback like I don't yeah. think that's crazy at all. Like, no, I don't think like, so. That's the kind of upside that he does bring. Um, and I know you mentioned about Big Ben. I'm definitely starting him over Big Ben. But when it comes to Tannehill, I think that it may be a little bit tougher for me just because Tannehill does have some really good weapons there, and he's in an extremely favorable matchup against Detroit, who's given up um, the second most passing yards since, like, week six. So, um, But I think, like, he's right up there with those guys. Like, I think him versus Herbert's an interesting discussion. And then are you starting over Jared Goff against the Jets? Oof. I mean, I have them neck and neck and right now. And Mike, I think if you are looking for upside, you got to go Hurts. Mike, are you going? Yeah, I'm going Hurts. You're going Hurts over I, Goff. I've had I've had enough Goff, and I think <laughs> yeah. I think Sean McVay is happier when he's able to run the ball and play with the lead and play with that great defense. And I think he's plenty happy to have Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers and maybe even some Malcolm Brown run if they're up. I don't see why he's going to force the pass when they're up and they're dominating the Jets. Uh, I think that Hertz will be playing from behind against Philadelphia and he'll be forced to generate offense. So I like that situation more than the Rams being up 21 to three on cruise control where they're happy running the ball. No, I, uh, I get it. Speaking of Cam Akers, Dalton, is, is, is now the time where we throw you the parade for being right on all the rookie running backs or did half the teams who had Dobbins not make it? What, what are we to make of the rookie running backs now that it's week 15? We'll take the victory laps all we can. So let's uh, let's get those pinatas out. We'll smack them open. There's confetti everywhere. We're popping champagne. Cam Akers is here, guys. Um, and it's really exciting to see him not only just break out, but break out in that fashion against um, the New England Patriots, who've been known to be so tough against rookies. He had the most rushing yards by a rookie running back against the Patriots since, like, 1992. Like, he 
what he did and not only and in the way he did that with him getting 29 touches, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson combining for two total touches, like this is Cam Maker's backfield. And now he has a favorable matchup against the Jets this week. Um, like it's it's wheels up. And I think um when we're looking at a guy like Cam Akers, like I think the thing from keeping him from being like a more like a top five option is his lack of work in the receiving game. But I mean, when we're looking at some of the better running backs who don't get work in the receiving game, like he has to be up there in terms of options this week. I don't see why it can't be like a low end RB one or like a really high end RB two. And if he does get some work in the receiving game, like he, there's no reason that he couldn't finish as like a top five running back this week. So for those who are still in their fantasy leagues to see your top rated rookie running back for this for week fifteen over guys like Dobbins or James Robinson, um, I would take him over Dobbins right now because I think they're in similar scenarios where they aren't getting work in the receiving game. Um, they both have favorable matchups. The difference for me is Acres right now looks like he has a bigger share of the workload within that offense. Whereas Dobbins is still splitting with, even though he does have a majority of the share, he's still splitting with Edwards. He saw Edwards get two touchdowns last week. Like that could be an issue that I think Dob or Akers may not have there. For a guy like Robinson, I'm still probably going to prefer Robinson even in a tougher matchup. And the reason being is he he has that workhorse role that we love, but he also does get work in the receiving game. So I think that does give him a little bit better upside there. But I think they're I think they're rather close. So. A theme with a lot of these running back, rookie running backs, whether it be CEH or Akers or Dobbins or Swift, is that we know they start they at the beginning of the year we know they'd be in a timeshare. Maybe not CEH. I should probably make him from that list. But those middle round guys who we were all pretty high on, we knew they'd be in the timeshare uh, going into the year. Uh, I, I want to know. We'll start with Mike on this. Like, what your theory is behind you have a rookie running back. It's week four, bye weeks are hitting. He's clearly second or third. He's not helping you out now. It, do you? It seems to be a trend that it's really later in the year that these rookie running backs take over their backfields and tend to be league winners. It, is there anything we can learn about that heading into 2021 and beyond about um, what to do with rookie running backs early in the season, Mike? Yeah, I think there definitely is. And I think that it's not necessarily just rookies, but players with higher ADPs being dropped. I mean, obviously, let's say it's more favorable with rookies because let's take a situation like Cam Akers where, yeah, he was behind Henderson. He was banged up. Who knows how much of a role he's going to have this season. Um, But he's a very valuable player that the team has a lot of incentive in seeing what they have in him. And as the year goes on, especially if they're out of playoff contention, which isn't the case for the Rams right now, they have incentive to play him. It it almost reminds me of Nick Chubb's rookie year where they're playing hide and giving him 20 carries a game and Chubb is seeing no work. And a lot of owners who drafted Chubb, I think it was around like round 10 where he was going, were sick of him. They didn't think he was going to be able to help their fantasy team and they dropped him. And smart owners said, this guy's going to get a chance at some point this season because the Browns need to see what they drafted in this second round pick. And you're holding and you're waiting for the Browns to be eliminated and be forced to play him and see what they have in him or make a trade like they did for Hyde. And of course, Chubb was unleashed and became a league winner that year. So I think it's always very valuable to grab these guys that maybe have disappointed in terms of early season expectations, but that doesn't correlate with what's going to happen at the end of the year. And even though Cam Akers is banged up and even though he had viable competition, 
he has proven to be better than his competition and the Rams now have shown that he's their guy and at this point in the season if you have acres and you're in the playoffs and ready to go you set yourself up really well with a guy who over the last three games could finish as a top 10 running back it really wouldn't be a stretch at this point in time it was just making sure that your team makes it to the playoffs while you still have these guys who could kind of hit in these high leverage weeks. And now you have this great opportunity with this young player who's hitting his stride who could be a league winner. And you have a roster that has made it to the point in the season where they can benefit from having Cam Akers on your roster, even though he didn't break out at the time that all of us would have liked him to. We, we've seen this before. We saw it last year with Miles Sanders. David Johnson's rookie year, you know, he really took over in the second half of the year. I mean, it was unsustainable efficiency, but still. I even think Arian Foster going into that his, his breakout year, I think later in that year he had some, uh, some really important Yeah, I think games. it's easier. It, it happens frequently, but you don't always know that the rookie who you're talking about, whether it's a David Johnson, some people didn't think David Johnson was anything. And but he, with, but the point is he was drafted high. And so the team is, hasn't it? The he team was a had, fourth round pick though, right? I thought he was David a third Johnson? rounder. I think uh, it was a third round pick. Okay, okay. Um, but with Akers, I mean, there was no debate as to whether this guy was talented and as to whether the Rams wanted to use him. So dropping him really made no sense unless you were forced to because of the depth on your roster. But I guess some guys, the point that I wanted to make was there's some guys who you may not know if they're going to have an opportunity. When it comes to a Chubb or an Akers as a rookie, there shouldn't be much debate that at some point their teams are going to want to see what they have in them. And that kind of goes with the whole, like, you know, if, if you have a top 45 ADP, uh, ADP, that was a, a 45 draft capital. So you're drafting the first or top half or even the entire second round, top 60, 64. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a very small chance that you're not going to get significant work sometime in your rookie season. Yeah. Oftentimes that comes later in the year when the money is made. So and no difference with Dobbins either. No, where that, it's the correct. same situation with a bunch of competition, and you don't really know when he's going to get his chance. But now, as they're fighting for a playoff spot, and they've realized that he's their most valuable player in terms of their running back corpse, he's the guy that they have on the field, and he's coming through late in the season as well. So I think the important thing to re- recognize is that rookies will often be slow starters. And we're expecting that. What we want is our teams to be the best at the end of the season. And yeah. rookies are very good at accomplishing that, although they may drag you down in the early going and they may on they may prevent you from making the playoffs in some cases. And I think that's another thing that I've learned this year is that it just I, I forget every year how much of a week-to-week game fantasy football is, right? Oh, two weeks ago, Lyndon Bowden was nothing, right? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Dobbins was almost nothing. Cam Akers was an afterthought. But boom, one week of of, uh, of an extended look, and you have a guy who should be in your starting lineup. And we and when taking a risk on guys that we want to take a risk on the younger guys, you know, it, we should have seen. And I think a lot of I think we did see a lot. You know, you have Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards on your roster. The chance that Dobbins doesn't see significant work at some time this year is very small. Same with the Rams, uh, the Lions. You know, if you have Adrian Peterson and Carryon Johnson, who the front office never really liked, 
you have to be confident that at some point DeAndre DeAndre Swift is going to get a really important, valuable role, and that's most likely to be later in the year when fantasy championships are won. So that's something that we're definitely going to dive into in the off season. Uh, Dalton, anything? And I think there, oh, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Con- there's a context issue that comes into play where I think it's very easy to see that during the off season, where we say, "Oh, Dobbins has this draft capital, and he's such a good athlete, and he produced like crazy in college, and of course he's way better than these guys." But I think a lot of fantasy owners get caught up during the season with some recency bias, like you were saying, where you're like, "He he's a nothing for my roster right now, and I'm not going to be able to trust him because of how little playing time they." give him but reality you need to zoom out you need to recognize that he's the most talented player in the backfield and it's only a matter of time and and dropping that talented player isn't going to benefit your fantasy game Dalton any any thoughts on this before we move on yeah 100% and I think like you guys have made some really good points about um you know being really patient with these guys and I think like there's um a massive advantage to being patient and understanding that a lot of rookies don't come out of the gates like a Saquon Barkley or an Ezekiel Elliott. A lot of them actually do take time, and through their rookie years, they struggle at the beginning, and then they start to bounce back. Like Even Cam Akers, when he was playing, he wasn't necessarily playing great. He had a little bit of flashes here and there, but the mo- they knew what they had in him, and the moment they gave him the touches, he balled out. Same thing goes with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who Jonathan Taylor, people were almost like writing him off after eight, nine weeks. He was seeing this massive work shit, workhorse role, and then it suddenly just gets diminished to where he's now like a lead back in a committee and not understanding that this is a 21-year-old rookie who's in a good offense and who has one of the best prospect profiles we've seen from a running back ever. And now he's actually getting his opportunity and he's finally doing what we thought he was going to do so that gives like um whether you have trades in a league whether it's a redraft league and you want to trade for a guy you can go acquire those guys super low because there's a lot of recency bias in there also whether it's dynasty going ahead and getting these guys cheaper than what it took to acquire them on draft day like like that there's a massive benefit to being patient and just really banking on things that we know um are indicators for future success, like being you're 21 years old, having high draft capital, being a great athlete, being a um, over 210 pounds. Like there's a lot of indicators that these guys have, and you can utilize that to really take advantage in your leagues in the future. And this is just a great experience from this year, but also we've seen in the past and every year um, these cases happen, and it does give you a nice advantage in leagues to really capitalize on your league mates and it's, it's like they're, they're like they're, it's a perennial buy low right uh you know talented but not yet given the opportunity of rookie running backs in the middle of the year maybe around right before the trade deadline week seven week eight um in your fantasy league maybe not a bad idea to go out and get those guys why don't we uh why don't we transition to the last thing we'll talk about in that is looking forward to 2021 in the top five running backs because whether it was injury or ineffectiveness, uh, what have you, um, it was not necessarily an advantage to have a top pick this year uh, because of Christian McCaffrey getting hurt, because of Saquon Barkley getting hurt, because of uh, Dak Prescott getting hurt and thus hurting Zeke Elliott a lot. Kamara has been mostly up, a little down, but mostly up. Uh, actually, he's been really good. Dalvin Cook has been really good. What Derrick Henry, uh, another one we'll talk about right now, Let's let's go ahead and say, give me the reasons why Christian McCaffrey shouldn't be number one. Are there any next year? I don't think it's a good enough viable argument to say because of his 
I, I mean, the guy's basically a wide receiver too, combined with a running back. So when you get a guy who has the potential to catch a hundred passes, he's on a list of his own with maybe Camara, who could potentially get there. Freeze plays another year, um, and maybe Saquon can get there. Uh, although we, who knows if Daniel Jones is the guy? Who knows what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley and the Giants? And I think that Christian McCaffrey. There's not a lot of concerns with him. He checks every box. He's an unbelievable athlete. He's still super young. He's done it time and time again. So I wouldn't feel comfortable uh, making an argument against Christian McCaffrey at this point in time. So he's going to be 25 in June, next June. So he's still pretty young. Um, Dalton, are you are you with McCaffrey at one overall still as a running back? Yeah, I th- I, th- I think is I mean a healthy McCaffrey. We even saw it for one game when he came back. His dude's uh, balling yeah, I think I think he's actually averaged more points per game this year than last year. Yeah, uh, he's yeah, at thirty point no, one points per game. His lowest scoring game this year is in week two. He scored twenty four point eight. Yeah. Nobody else has averaged twenty four point eight per game. Uh, you can round up Dalvin Cook to 24.8. Uh, but McCaffrey, I mean, when he came back for just week nine, coming back from injury, he put up 37.1. And his injuries this year seem to be more the nagging kind. You know, we're not talking about a patellar tendon or Achilles injury that could really affect him long term. I mean, as a running back, of course, it all takes a toll. But, you know, he's going to be 24 for half of next, uh, the calendar 2021 year. So he's still pretty young. So I think McCaffrey's pretty sold at number one. Number two is where it becomes more interesting. Um, I want to say Dalvin Cook, but he's going to be 26. He has had a lot of injuries in the past. This is the first year he's really stayed healthy. Is he number two for you guys as well? Who else? Uh, him or Kamara? I guess I think it has to be right now, right? Ooh, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can go... Dalvin or Kamara too. I think I think Saquon Barkley would probably be my two. I'm still going to bank on the talent there. We've seen Wayne Gallman be productive there. Um, we know he has such a massive role in the receiving game, and I think his rushing production is going to be higher than a guy like Kamara, so I think it's fair to have him over there. Dalvin's getting a year older. Um, that coaching staff could be gone. It could be more of a pass-heavy um, team next year. Um, for me, I'd rather bank on the young guy um, rather than a guy who we know once they start hitting 25, 26, they decline a little bit. And not going to say that that's going to happen, but we have seen it happen multiple times in the past couple of years. And even a guy like Zeke this year has regressed too. So I think I'm going to go Saquon number two if I had to choose. Saquon will be will turn 24 in February. So he'll be 24 all of next year. Mike, are you with Dalton that Saquon's your number two? Not definitively. I can see Dalton's argument, and I think that he's a phenomenal player. He comes with a receiving ability that I don't think Dalvin Cook necessarily has. Kamara does, but there's obviously those concerns rushing the ball that Kamara this season has 19 rushing attempts in one game. Other than that, he doesn't have more than 15 in a single game. He has three games where he had Last year, too, he had zero 20-yard games, yeah. 20-yard so, rush up games. So, so we all know that Kamara doesn't necessarily add the rushing element that you would like to see from a top five selection, but he covers you with his receiving ability. Um, but I think I would go towards Dalvin Cook with number two. Obviously, there are those workload concerns where we're talking about a guy that's 
very likely to hit 300 plus carries this season and he will be 26 next year so there are some concerns there mm. um do you guys know that but, dalvin is younger than Kamara? wow I yes I, I knew they were the same age i didn't the, know exactly the, dalvin's uh, i think he's he's like three weeks older the three weeks younger <laughs> okay. I, mean. Yeah. Yeah, still, okay. I mean i i didn't know he i thought he was like a year older than alvin Kamara. Yeah, so I think it's kind of going to be at the point in the fantasy community where it's a pick between Dalvin Cook, Kamara, and Barkley. I think all three of those, you can make a fair argument as to why you'd prefer one over the other, but there's no real dominant force like McCaffrey who should almost certainly be selected ahead of the field. So so then, then let's jump to the elephant in the room because I think it's pretty safe to say that it's either Saquon and then uh, Saquon, Dalvin Cook, and... Um, Camara, two, three, four. Yeah, number five. Let's talk about Derrick Henry. Um, we were we are on record at the beginning of the year, this year saying, specifically me, <laughs> saying if Derrick Henry were to do what he did last year, it would be a a first in the modern era. Um, he has made me really eat my words on that because he's actually somehow been seemingly better than last year. I mean, he has a chance to break the all time rushing record. Um. He needs to average like 150 yards per game the past few, uh, the next few games, and then he'll break, he'll pass 2105 set by Eric Dickerson in the 80s. Uh, he might hit, you know, 18 touchdowns. Now, are we going to double down and say there's no way he can do it three years in a row? Or is there a time to say this guy is the outlier, the 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 exception that makes the that that uh. The exception that proves the rule that you have to be a Derrick Henry to be this good, but but he is this good. He's 6'4, 240, has shown only is only getting stronger as the year goes on. Are you taking someone is Derrick Henry in your top five? And how can you So here's the thing. Every year that Derrick Henry does this, the following year becomes less likely for him to produce as he's a year another year older and he has all these miles on. Um but He's done it time and time again, and he's phenomenal. Like, there's no debate, but with his ability and with his name recognition and what he's done in national games that everybody's watching and kind of, I mean, Derrick Henry's been in the NFL for five years. I don't know if he just has name recognition on that alone because he's been selected in the first round for what, going on three years at this point. And he's the number four running back this year. And we're talking about whether he should be five. I think that he's almost certainly going to go there. And there's a lot of guys who have the receiving ability to overtake him. We're talking about a guy that has 109 receiving yards this season. He's caught 17 passes. In three separate games, Derrick Henry hasn't caught a pass. Uh, He has many games that he's caught just one. So if you get some running back who comes in, let's say a DeAndre Swift, who I don't think will be able to be benched from more than 30% of the snaps next year. If we look at the one week where DeAndre Swift really started and got to play, he played 73% of the snaps. He had 16 carries for 81 yards and he caught five passes for 68 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift has been targeted 
at least four times in every game. And we're talking about most of the games of this season, DeAndre Swift hasn't played 50% of the snaps. So when we talk about DeAndre Swift next year being a second-year player that the Lions can't keep off the field, I think there's a fairly decent chance that he's able to outscore Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah, he may be a lock for 10 to 15 touchdowns. The problem is, where is he going to get more points from? He's at 264 this season. He's averaging 20 fantasy points per game. I think that there's a very good chance where uh, DeAndre Swift's averaging 14.26 with very limited playing time right now. And I think that he could very easily jump Derrick Henry next year where I don't know how Derrick Henry is going to jump from his 20 points per game to a 23, 24, 25. I don't think that that's in there. And when I'm drafting somebody at that spot over somebody like Devontae Adams this year, you have to draft him over. I want a guy who has upside for more like Devontae Adams showed. So if I'm going to take a running back in those high leverage rounds, I want somebody with that receiving ability, whether it's a Swift or an Eckler or a Gibson who you can see or create a narrative where this player is so good in the passing game that they have the ability to finish as a top three running back with a Dalvin Cook, with a Camara, with a Christian McCaffrey, because those guys all have that ability. And I, I don't think Derrick Henry in his age 27 season is acquiring that ability. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love it. For our listeners, he turns 27 in Jan- on January 4th. Um, and, uh, if you guys would make your way over to our blog and some of Mike's great peak age articles, 27 is a, a big cutoff age for running backs. Uh, and uh, Dalton also wrote a great piece this offseason about how you're probably selling your stud running backs too late in Dynasty. That, you know, Derrick Henry is kind of the exception to this. If you think the running back has just had the best year of their career, they probably have. You know, it's not one of those things like where Devontae Adams, like, he could start really peaking around 27, 28. That just isn't the case with running backs. I mean, and and if you don't want to take it from Dalton, take it from Bill Belichick, who I believe has famously said, it's always better to trade a player too early than too late. Yeah, no question. And um, you're just counting on, you're drafting Derrick Henry at his ceiling, right? Like you, like you, like you showed us. And People, p- players like Derrick Henry don't magically start catching 40 passes th- or 50 passes a year in their age 27 season, right? He is who he is. And, and, and look at somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, who has relied on rushing touchdowns and uh, efficiency so much. And now we see their quarterback go. And it's fair to wonder in, a, in the event of a Tannehill injury, what is I mean, obviously he would get a lot of carries, but are they still able to move the ball? Is he still able to get those touchdowns? He's not going to be catching any passes. So if people are loading the box and saying Derrick Henry's not beating us because Tannehill is not on the field, you could see a lot of 25 carries for 82 yards and no touchdown, and he's not looking so good. Right. And uh, I, I like your point a lot about how you draft, you, you want to prognosticate for the next year, right? You don't get points for last season. You want to draft a guy who has a chance to catch 80 passes and rush for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, right? And someone like Gibson or DeAndre Swift in their sophomore year is probably a better bet to do that. And of course, as a and if you runner, want, if you better. want to take a dominant rusher on early downs, who's younger, an unbelievable athlete, mo- very likely to be much cheaper than Derrick Henry in this year's draft, and still may have that receiving upside, draft Jonathan Taylor. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> it'll probably still cost you a top two round pick. Maybe where you're taking Henry, you can guy like Monte Adams, then come back with John Taylor if you really want. One exactly. Of the, I mean, these rookie running backs are going to make things very interesting next year, whether it's Swift, whether it's Gibson, whether it's Jonathan Taylor. There are quite a few of those guys who fit the mold of somebody who could be a really good rusher and a really good receiver. And I think that when we're talking about 2022 drafts, we're going to see a very different top five from the running back position. Um, And I guess in fantasy drafts, because running backs will still likely be taken at the top. But if we see the Redskins utilize Gibson as a receiver, or we see Jonathan Taylor um, really break out into the player that we saw this past week and and really the analytics show us he is. And they, I mean, Rivers, we already see throwing to the running back position and him kind of unlocking that receiving ability. Uh, The sky is the limit for those guys. And I honestly still think that Swift may be the best running back out of all of these uh, rookie running backs. So he's a guy who I see at some point being drafted as a top five running back. And of course, we're forgetting a J.K. Dobbins. We're not talking about CEH, who I am kind of worried about from a prospect standpoint, but this running back position is going to be shaken up. So I think it's kind of out with the old in terms of Derrick Henry. So why don't we end this show by you two giving giving our lovely audience your top four running sophomore running back setting into next year. So which rookie guys who are rookies this year, what order are you we had to draft today and rank them? What's the order? We'll start with Mike of sophomore for dynasty or redraft? Redraft. Redraft. Redraft for next year. Okay. I am going I mean, I, I love all these guys, so it's going to be very tough, but let's go with Swift number one. Um, I think I'm taking Swift first. I think I'm taking Taylor, Dobbins, Gibson. I, it's between Gibson and Taylor for my two and three, and I think that those two are very interchangeable. I think they're both very similar in how they're used as run- runners, and they're both very good, and it kind of comes into the question – are the Redskins going to realize what they have in Gibson as a receiver? Because if they do, I mean, we could see a Christian McCaffrey-like situation where it's him and then it's everybody after, and he's getting all these eight-yard catches and showing how dynamic he is in the receiving game. And I think that that's a very, I wouldn't say likely potential outcome, but I think that it's definitely there in his range of possibilities. Um, So I'm going to say Gibson second. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor third as much as I love him. Um, and then after that, I think that there is a bit of a fall off, but Acres Dobbins, Dobbins huh? um, yeah. And I, I think that they're all good options. I think I'm going to take Dobbins because I do think that there's a chance where they kind of want to pivot away from Lamar Jackson running 13 times a game. And I think that Dobbins with the running lanes that are going to be created by Lamar Jackson, I think that he's going to be one of those guys who's consistently, um, let's say like a Jamal Charles in terms of leading the league consistently in yards per attempt. I think that Dobbins is just extremely explosive and that kind of zone read with him and Lamar Jackson, I think we're going to be seeing for the next couple of years. And I think that he's going to surprise some people. The, the issue with him is receiving ability, but then you look at the Rams who aren't consistently thrown to running backs anyway. And do you want to rely on Jared Goff moving the ball with Akers or do you want to rely on Lamar Jackson and Dobbins? I'm taking Lamar Jackson and Dobbins. So Mike's well-reasoned top four would be uh, Swift, Gibson, Taylor, and Dobbins. Dalton, what about for redraft 2021? Who are your sophomore running backs? 
uh, top Holy three. smokes. Well, I mean, when you first said it, I was like, I was thinking about it. I didn't think it was too hard, but the more I, I think about it, the because... harder it gets. The yeah. harder it gets. So, um, first off, I'm going to stick with my boy Jonathan Taylor at number one. Um, what he's shown us in the, the group. Best offensive line of the group. What we've seen the past three weeks from him is a totally different Jonathan Taylor than we saw in the first half of the season. And it's actually what we saw from him at Wisconsin, seeing him be great as a rusher. But the most exciting thing for me in terms of him and his future is how efficient he's been as a receiver. He leads the league in yards per target from a receiver. He's cut 31 of his 32 targets um, there as well. So I think that there's actually potential for him to have a pretty big receiving workload and that offense next year. Um, I do think he has absolutely top five and elite RB1 potential there. Um, number two, I'm definitely going to have DeAndre Swift there. He has that receiving upside that I think that nobody else in this rookie running back class offers. So if he can actually garner like 20 plus touches in the rushing game and get that receiving work, like he absolutely can finish as a elite running back one as well. So I think both those guys for me would be like, 1A, 1B, and then from there, I'm probably going to go Gibson, number three. Um, I do like his receiving upside there. He's looked really good. He's been efficient. All advanced metrics like him. And I do think the offense as a whole is going to get better. So the fact that he's been so good in a poor offense um, makes me excited about next year and what he can do in the expanded role. Because we go, we know guys like Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick, they aren't really yeah, they're not, anything they're not to worry they're not about long. for the future. So so, th- so that's why I have Gibson number three. Number four is a really tough one. Um, I want to go Dobbins here um, because I think he's just probably, in terms of a pure runner, he's probably number two behind J- JT in this class. My issue with him is as long as Lamar Jackson's there, um, how's that receiving workload going to work? I still think he can finish as an RB1 just based off pure rushing production because we saw Mark Ingram do it. Um, last year during the time that he was there. Um, I want to go Akers as well, but I think Akers also the same issue. And I do want to see if at the end of this year that he can get that receiving work. But I think the guy I want to put for is going to be James Robinson. Um, okay. And the reason being is like, we've never seen an undrafted rookie running back do this. He's constantly week in and week out. He's been productive. They've given him that workhorse role. It's very unlikely they're drafting another running back high next year it's very likely they're gonna have a top two pick so that means either trevor lawrence or justin fields that's an upgrade to the offense as a whole he gets work in the receiving game um and this is an offense that i think you want to be in with jay gruden because i think it's an efficient offense you get good players around there like he'll continue to make it happen i think it's really hard to deny his full skill set in terms of like he, he for me like he profiles as someone who can be a chris carson and maybe even better and that's right away. And I, th- I feel comfortable knowing that he does have that receiving workload as well as that massive rushing workload as well. Well, there you have it, guys. Two great analysts, two very, very different lists. I think we'll, uh, we'll file this one away, and this time next year we'll see who was right, huh? Um, that is all we have for you today on the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast. Just a reminder, if you're like me, and in Week 14 you relied on Debo Samuel, Mike Williams, and DJ Chark, You are out of the playoffs, and you think your fantasy season is over, but guess what? It isn't, because here at Apex, we have playoff leagues. They are six-team leagues that you draft only players on teams that are in the NFL playoffs. They draft after week 17 when that's decided. That whole week, we'll be having email drafts, live drafts, all times of the day for the whole week. 
these are basically they're not best ball teams but they're draft only so you just draft players and how many points they score through the super bowl is what you get and the team with the fantasy team with the most points out of the six teams that draft wins the prize so if you love fantasy football but you just didn't have a good year like me then the apex fantasy football playoff leagues are perfect for you Check them out now at apexfantasyfootballleagues.com. And thank you so much for listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast.